please listen carefully. Hello, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm Erin Barton. And I'm Kate Orslan. Remember, Caveat Realtors meant to provide general legal information. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. So today's topic is cybersecurity. In the wake of the Equifax hack, we wanted to address some cybersecurity best practices. Most business these days is conducted via email, text, or websites. We want to make sure that you have some tips and tricks to help you limit your liability and make sure that you engage in good cybersecurity practices. Although we hear about those large-scale hacks involving government agencies or large multinational corporations most frequently in the news, whether it's Target or Home Depot, real estate companies are actually absolutely at risk because of the exchange of financial and personal information that occurs during a real estate transaction. Brokers and agents uh, may have access to a lot of personal information from their clients, such as social security numbers, bank account information, credit card information, even driver's license numbers. And when this information gets into the wrong hands, it can result in fraud or identity theft. So safeguarding this information through good cybersecurity practices is so important for your business. Besides engaging in typical web security, including appropriate passwords and encryption services and just generally good email practices, such as never clicking on unknown links or attachments, we're going to discuss a few policies that you may want to put in place to help limit your exposure if your computer network is breached. But before we get into that, let's discuss exactly what are your obligations under the law. So... In Virginia, under Virginia law, personal information is actually defined as a name combined with a social security number or a driver's license number or state identification card number or a financial account number with any required security code. So there's a a very specific definition of what constitutes personal information. And so then under the law, when a business or individual who maintains a database of that personal information discovers unauthorized access and acquisition of unencrypted and unredacted computerized data of that personal information, it must notify the Office of the Attorney General and any affected Virginia resident without unreasonable delay. So what's important to note here? Well, first, that the statute does not apply to encrypted, redacted, or altered information that's essentially kind of unuseful. So If someone captures encrypted data without the encryption key, they really can't use that data. But once it's unencrypted or if they access a full security number instead of just part of it, that's, you know, that's where you get in trouble with this law or that's where it's applicable. So basically, if you have unredacted or unencrypted information, you're keeping this personal information and it is accessed by someone who's not authorized, then you have to report it to the Office of Attorney General and the people that may have been affected? Yes. Okay. Well, there's also a small carve-out under the VRLTA, a landlord or a managing agent who engages a third-party service provider to maintain tenant records in electronic form or any other medium, is not going to be held liable for a breach of the electronic data held by the third party, except in the case of gross negligence or something intentional. 
So understanding that law, what are some policies that may help realtors prepare for cybersecurity issues and communicate risks to their clients? So I think, first of all, we want to look at written disclosures, getting upfront with your clients and telling them from the start what the risks are so that based on personal information exchanged during real estate transactions and the large quantity of money people typically transfer with these transactions, it can be really helpful to have that a written disclosure discussing transaction-related cybercrime and the risks that your clients face. So that can make sure they engage in safe practices and are educated on this these issues. So whether that's telling them be careful when you wire money, know that that can be a very vulnerable part of the transaction. Make sure that you're not disclosing personal information via email or are using secure third-party websites to transfer documents. That's that's definitely something that educating your clients on these risks can help them engage in these safe practices. So you should really work on that with your attorney to make sure it covers all the appropriate points. Well, and I think that's a first line of defense is really educating your clients. Uh, we talked a lot about that when the wire fraud hack started with all the agents around last year, the year before, was just educating your clients about being very careful about who's emailing them, what links you're clicking on, just to make sure that you're confirming any requests to change your wire transfers before you move forward. Also, under Virginia regulations, brokers are required to maintain certain records for at least three years. That's a minimum three years, such as brokerage agreements, disclosures uh, for dual agency, and complete and legible copies of each executed contract of sale and executed releases from contract or executed lease agreements receipts, disbursements for monies received on behalf of others. In the regulations, these deadlines run from various starting points. For example, perhaps the date of execution or the date of closing or the date of termination of the transaction. You need to have a comprehensive record retention policy that also accounts for tax requirements and statute of limitations for legal suits. So the regulations state there's a minimum of three years that you're required to keep these documents, but you always want to check with your legal counsel and or your tax professional to see if they recommend a longer period of time. There can certainly be valid reasons for keeping those documents around longer. So you want to make sure that you capture everything from all the different angles. Absolutely. And to develop this policy, you definitely want to sit down with an attorney who represents you. It's important because once you're no longer required to maintain these records, it may be beneficial to actually destroy them. By eliminating the records at the legally appropriate time, you can limit your exposure if there is a cybersecurity attack on your system. And as part of your record retention policy, you should take stock of what personal information you have and the various sources from which you're collecting that information. That can be really valuable if you do have a breach um, so that you you already know what you have on hand and what types of personal information, if any, you maintain in your records. Um, and one other policy you really want to have probably in place is some type of breach response and breach notification policy. By making sure you have a plan in place, if a breach of your system ever occurs, you won't be wasting time establishing such a policy because time is very valuable once you are a victim of a cybersecurity hack. 
So you want to make sure the policy lays out what notification obligations your firm has and lists appropriate authorities to notify. It can be helpful to even have a template notice to any effective individual set up along with security measures to stop the breach once it has been identified. Those can be some time-saving measures that may help limit your liability. Absolutely. So let's take it to the legal hotline. Aaron, if I receive a spam offer for a property that I'm listing, must I present it to the seller? We have heard about this recently on the hotline where people are receiving sort of blast spam cash offers for properties. Under the Virginia regulations, you must present every written offer, counter offer, or rejection on the property. And under the Realtor Code of Ethics, you must also present every offer, whether it's in writing or a verbal offer. There's really not an exception for offers that you suspect to be spam. However, you can counsel your clients that you do sometimes receive spam offers and discuss how they would like you to handle them. One option would be to get instructions in writing that you should not submit offers that are suspected to be spam, maybe have certain criteria set up. But at the end of the day, if you don't have any of that and you get an offer that you suspect is spam, you really do need to notify your client, present it, and then you can counsel them on what you think the best uh, response to that offer should be. And that's, you know, that's really where the education comes into, into play. Educate them on the front end so that when you're facing this, you already have an action plan. Okay, so our next question is, my system was breached. What must I disclose to individuals whose information was stolen? So first, you should contact an attorney who can advise you on the necessary steps that you need to take. Second, as we discussed above, in Virginia, there's a law that requires individuals or entities to provide notice to the affected Virginia residents if there's an unauthorized access and acquisition of certain data, you know, the personal information as defined by the statute, that compromises the security or confidentiality of personal information that you maintain. So depending on that information that was stolen, you may be required by law to provide notice to those individuals. So again, it's just really important that you contact an attorney who's familiar with federal and Virginia law on these issues. And our final question is, I received wire transfer instructions for my client. Is it okay if I pass it along? Uh, the, the wire transfer scam. Uh, it is still going on. Unfortunately, we hear about this too frequently, anytime it's too frequently, where people receive faulty wire transfer instructions based on someone hacking email and then they wire transfer their entire down payment for a property and it's lost. Obviously, if someone's receiving wire transfer instructions over email, whether it's the first time or a few days before closing, it can definitely be risky. Wire fraud is incredibly prevalent still, and it's best to always have your client be in contact directly with the financial institution handling the wire transfer. You don't want to be responsible for passing along fraudulent wire instructions. It's best that your client coordinate those transfers directly and that you stay out of that. Regardless, we've also heard of the wire transfer scam emails having a phone number in them and someone calling that phone number. Just call your settlement company, the person that you know you've been dealing with up to this point, and ask them to confirm it. A lot of them have policies in place now to avoid this as well. 
So let's wrap up by talking about some ways to limit your risks. First, you know, as we stated, have a written disclosure about transaction-related cybercrime. Develop this with your attorney. As Erin just said, do not forward wire transfer instructions. Have your clients confirm directly with the intended recipient. Have those document retention and destruction policies in addition to cyber and data security policies. You may also want to develop those with the advice of your attorney. If you're a broker, make sure that your agents and office staff follow these policies. Education is a really powerful tool in preventing mistakes or risky behavior. Understand what your insurance covers and does not cover. Make sure you have the type of coverage that you need in the event that you do have some type of cybersecurity breach. Often the cybersecurity is an additional rider on your insurance policy. Is that correct? It's not usually covered? I think that's correct. Okay. So look at your insurance policy and just understand what it does and does not cover and decide that business decision of whether you want to invest in additional coverage. And probably the best thing you can do would be to engage the services of competent IT professionals who can really assist you with the antivirus software, encryption procedures, and firewalls, but also make sure that any service contracts are reviewed by your attorney. Thank you so much for joining us. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates. When we have new episodes, you can search for Virginia Realtors and you'll find us. As a member of Virginia Realtors, you have access to our legal hotline where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the legal tab on the four members section. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone. Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, the legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is general reference work as public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We may note warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2017. This podcast features the song, Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike License.